So we're going to look at some things in Proverbs uh, today uh, that hopefully have practical application for your life. So as I thought about this, uh, the, the passage we're going to look at, and this idea of trusting the Lord, this is what I thought about. When, we had, when our kids were little, we had basically two different sets of kids. Um, we had two girls, and then we had two boys. Uh, and they kind of like paired up. You know, there was like the, the two girls were kind of a, uh, you know, they were 14 months apart and the two boys were 18 months apart. So they were kind of like together all the time. The, they could not have been more different in their personality, in their approach to life, in, uh, in the, just in who they were, right? Uh, and so we played a game when they were little. Um, it was a game that a lot of you probably played with your children. It's called uh, Jump to Daddy, okay? And this was, we would, at our little twin, they would go up on the steps, on the staircase, right? A certain amount of steps up. And then it was time to jump to daddy, right? It was a very simple game. It was a very easy game. Um, one of, in both pairings, one of those children um, had no problem at all taking a leap into my arms, right? There was big smiles. There was giggles. There was laughter. As soon as I put them down, they were back up the steps, uh, maybe a step higher than before, you know. They were just all about the flying through the air into my arms. And their sibling was watching that and wishing with all their heart that they could enjoy it that much. But for them, it was a traumatizing experience. They were... You know, they were on the same step as their sibling, and their sibling had already jumped like four times, right? And they were still working on like the first, like, they got their hand on the handrail, you know, and they're like reaching out as far as they can get to try to, to get to me. Um, and, and they really knew, I think they knew with all of their heart that I would catch them, but they just couldn't like get off the step. You know what I mean? They just, that handrail, just, they could not open their hand and let it go. And sometimes they would, like, move down a step or two. They would, they would lean forward until they could, like, touch my hands, right? At no time were they ever in danger of me dropping them. As a matter of fact, from a kid's perspective, it might have been really scary, but from a dad's perspective, I basically could reach my arms out and pick them up off the step. It, was not, it wasn't like they were jumping from the top of the steps, you know? Some of them wanted to, but they were, you know, it wasn't like that. But the, the experience was an experience of, can I take a leap? Can I take the jump? Will I believe with all of my heart that dad's going to catch me or not? Both of them were safe. Both of them were easy to catch. But for one, The experience was free and fun and full of joy. And for the other, it was a struggle. They both jumped. But the experience was very different for one or the other. Now, I will tell you as their dad, and I think this probably makes sense to a lot of you, I did not think less of my child who struggled to jump. Do you think I would? Do you think I would look at them and go, what is wrong with you? Something messed up in your head? Why wouldn't you jump I understand. It's scary for a little kid to take a leap off the step. I understand that. I didn't feel insulted that they didn't trust me as their father. What's wrong with you? Don't you know I would never? Right? I had empathy for the one that it was difficult for them to take that leap. But at some point, both of them did trust me enough to jump. 
They trusted me completely. We're going to look at Proverbs 3 today. And we're going to look at, we're going to start at what I've always considered my life verses. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And I will tell you that these verses and the truths in these verses have guided me uh, when I'm doing what is right, when I'm on a good path, when I'm doing what's well. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is how I'm living. And when I'm off and when I'm wandering and when I'm hitting my head in the brick walls, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is what I have put aside. It is just that simple for me. It's, for me, as a life verse, it is that clarifying. It is that clear. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And so I see, just like my kids jumping to me, I see my Heavenly Father inviting me to trust Him. To trust Him enough to let go of the handrail, to take a jump from a step that He tells me is safe, to abandon everything else, and trust myself fully to Him. Sometimes that's full of joy. A lot of times that's full of fear. Shaking of the knees. You probably know what I'm talking about. A lot of times it is easy, but a lot of times it is hard. And so we're going to look at this. We're going to look at you know, how it is that God asks us to trust Him all the way. What we usually try to do is to find a way to trust God and something else. To trust God part of the way. To trust His hands, but also trust my judgment about how it's going to turn out. To trust my, His hands, but to trust my hand on the handrail. You know, There were several times where fear overcame my children enough that they just walked down the steps until they got into my arms, and then they, like, they did a little hop when they were in my hands. You know, It's like, wow, that was a great jump. Something's wrong with you. We're going to see here that as Solomon writes this over 3,000 years ago, he writes about our lives. He writes about you and I. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And so then he gives us some examples of things that we hold on to. Maybe it's not handrails. Maybe it's not a, a, a how high the step is. But there are things that we are tempted to put our trust in outside of the Lord. So the big question today is simply this. Will you trust the Lord with all your heart? So let me start at verses 5 and 6. So let's just read these. They're very familiar, but let's read these. It says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. As we start, we see an instruction, a command, an invitation really to put our trust in God with all our hearts. Now that has an implication. The, the, The invitation to put our trust in God says that God is real, that God is trustworthy, but more than that, that God is personal, that he knows you, that you can trust him with you, that he cares, that he's faithful, that he's good, that he's not far, far away, that he's close, that he hears you, that he knows what you need, that you can reliably put your faith in him and that your faith will not go uh, into foolishness, will not go unrewarded, will not go without an answer. Your faith in the Lord is what you are invited to. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, the contrast in that verse is the contrast that we all struggle with. It is the contrast between trusting and leaning. Okay? 
Trusting and leaning. The idea of trusting, you know, in the Lord and versus leaning on your own understanding. The word trust, the Hebrew word trust that that Solomon writes there, is a word that talks about relying on someone or something for security, for safety, for your well-being. When we talk about, is your faith in Jesus Christ, what we're asking is not, do you believe He exists Do you believe he's the son of God? Do you believe that he died and rose? We're not asking, is that like factually true to you? Here's what we're asking. And here's what the Bible challenges us to. Is that where your reliance is for your well-being? When we sing a song like, it is well with my soul, what makes your soul well? Is it dependent on how your bank account looks versus your bills? Is it dependent on how the neighbors treat you or how your house looks or what kind of car you drive or whether your car is in the shop? Is it dependent on whether your family likes you or whether you like your family? Is it dependent on whether your kids obey you or don't? Whether your spouse shows you the love you think you deserve or not? What makes you well in your soul? The invitation here is trust, reliance for your well-being in the Lord. That God is enough for you. That what He has for you is what you need to be okay. Entrust yourself to God's care all the way. And that means not just when it feels safe or when it feels like it's going to work out the way you want it to. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, lean has the idea of putting your weight on something. It actually includes the idea of, of using a crutch when, you're, when your limb is broken, when you hurt your ankle or your knee or something like that, you are leaning, you are putting your weight on a crutch. And so the Bible says, trust in the Lord. Look to God for your well-being and don't put your weight on your understanding. Don't rely on your understanding to keep you upright, to keep you from falling, to support the weight of your life. That's a pretty clear contrast, isn't it? It's the choice I have every day about whether my faith is going to be in God or in something else. And usually the something else is something that I have control over. The trust here is about believing in the book of Proverbs, believing that God's way is right. That what God has for me is the right way. Even when I have a different way, a different way that I might like better or I might want more or a way that I could justify or rationalize, it is, no, I am not trusting in my understanding. I am trusting in the Lord with all my heart. And so what that means is when God says this is the way to go, then I believe that's the way to go. Even when I wish it weren't the way to go. This is the thing to do, or you shouldn't do this thing. If that's what God says, then that's what I do. And my own understanding might lead me to something else, but I'm not going to trust my own understanding. I'm going to trust in the Lord. And so in order for you to follow like that, you, have, you can't say, I'm trusting God like this verse calls me to, and then I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to trust God, but I don't care what God says is right or what God says is wrong. You can't trust in the Lord... God is not evidently or really your sole focus of faith when you live like what God says doesn't matter. Are you with me? That the, those don't go together. Some of the reason we think faith doesn't work is because we don't live by faith. 
We go, well, I know God is God and I know God is right, but I'm going to do my own thing anyway. And then we go, but my faith, I don't know. My faith feels really dry. It feels really empty. You know why? Because you're not living by faith. Faith absolutely works itself out into when God says, this is the right thing to do, then that's what I do. And if I'm not that, then I'm not living by faith. I'm not telling you that you look around and you see people who are doing the right thing, that they're living by faith. They might be living by their pride. We don't know. But I will tell you this. You can't live by faith and not care what God asks you to do or what God asks you not to do. You can't. That's not faith. So the kind of trust we're talking about here goes beyond a head nod like, yeah, that's really true. And into walking out on a path God puts ahead of you. Walking out in His way. And so you have to believe in order for that kind of a dramatic, radical change to happen in your life, in order for you to set aside what what feels right or what looks right or what you might want, in order for you to set that aside to say, whatever God has for me, that's what I want. You've got to have this radical change of mind which says that the only wisdom that actually works comes from God, that He's the source of wisdom. And that I don't have wisdom that compares to Him. Actually, down later on, it gets to that. It says, uh, verse 13, Blessed are those who find wisdom, who gain understanding. Uh, Verse 15, She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Did you hear that? Nothing can compare. Where do I get wisdom? I get wisdom from God. And until I believe that God's wisdom is above all other wisdom and nothing that I have compares to His, I will struggle with faith. I will struggle with trust. Because what I see and what I want and what I understand will always be pitted against what God calls, what God asks, what comes from the hand of God for me. And why is it that my wisdom, the wisdom of men, even my own, will not compare to God? Because here's why. You only see part of the picture, right? In fact, even in your life, there are times where you see a bigger picture just of your life, but there are days where you only see the here and now, aren't there? And then you're like, why did I think so short-term? Why was I thinking so small? I should have thought bigger. I should have thought... You, even in your limited life. But God's not just thinking about your 80, 100 years. He's thinking about eternity. So God's wisdom applies for the real long haul. Our wisdom is very, very limited. And so I have to know that. I have to, I have to humble myself. I have to believe that. Now, what God says in this contrast about trusting the Lord and not leaning on my understanding... He doesn't say, throw your understanding away. You can't do that. You will always have a voice that is your understanding in life. And we, when we think about understanding, we think about like my intellect, what, what makes sense to me, my logic and my under... Yes, I get that. I understand that. But the word actually just doesn't include like my thought processes of my mind. It includes the experiences that I understand maybe emotionally. Don't lean. How many of us, I don't lean on my understanding, but I lean on my emotions. What does it feel like today? Emotions are wonderful things that God has given us to enjoy life, to experience life fully. But emotions are really bad drivers. Because they are not meant to be in the driver's seat. You can't kick them out of the car. Sometimes you wish you could, Right? I don't want to feel that. I don't want, and, and some people in trying to avoid emotions really do great damage to their soul. 
Because you can't just throw emotions away. You've got to live through them. You've got to experience them. When things are sad, you're going to be sad. The Bible doesn't tell you that's a lack of faith. It just tells you that's life. That's what happens. Jesus himself wept, right? So there are dark times and there are good times. The the Bible doesn't say, throw your understanding away. It says, don't use your understanding as the way to stay upright. Because it will fail you. It will take you to answers you don't want. So you can't say, well, I'm opting out of my understanding. You you certainly can use your understanding, whether it's uh, facts and logic and, and information or whether it's emotions. You can go through those experiences. But what makes me okay, where my well-being comes from, is not my understanding, not what my resources give me, but my well-being comes because I have trusted in the Lord with all my heart. There's a completeness to that that's hard, isn't there? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It says you can't split your trust. If you want to become a child of God, if you want to be part of God's family, you can't say, well, I'm going to trust in Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection to bring me life. And I'm going to try to be a good person. And hopefully the combo will be enough. You can't split your trust. Likewise, as a child of God, you can't split your trust. You can't trust in the Lord as like, you know, that's my first plan, that's my plan A. And then plan B is, if God doesn't come through, then I'm going to figure out a way to make this work. It's plan A and that's it. I trust in the Lord with all my heart. And what God asks me to do, I'll do. What God asks me to not do, I won't do. When God asks me to wait, I'll wait. When God asks me to move, I'll move. That's what I'll do. Because I will trust in the Lord with all my heart. And what happens when I do that? Verse 6 says, if I will uh, submit to him in all my ways, in all my ways, then he'll make my path straight. Okay, so what does it mean, in all your ways, submit to him? Literally, the words are, know God in all your ways. Does that, that bring a picture to your mind about what it means to live like this? To know God in all your ways. So right here, right now, this is one of your ways. You are in church, you're sitting here, you're listening to the Word of God. The call is to know Him here, to hear Him, to understand, to recognize God, to recognize His presence and His work and His direction, to know God right here, right now. That's a little, that's kind of easy to do unless you're tired and you're falling asleep. That's kind of easy to do, right? But it's in all your ways. So that means when I walk out of this building and I get in that car, and I start driving, and some idiot gets in front of me and doesn't know how to drive, I need to know God there too. And not just God the judge, like shoot them, you know, destroy them. I need to know God's way there. God needs to be in charge of me, directing me there. And then later on tonight, when I'm tired and someone says something nasty to me, and I feel like saying something back to them, I need to know God in that moment. And then tomorrow, when it's time to get up, and I'm too tired to get up, and I don't feel, i got to know God there. And then I go to work, and there are people around me who don't know what they're doing, and they try to dump all their stuff on me, and there's all kinds of politics going on. i got to know God there in all my ways. Make sense? So this trusting in the Lord is not where, you know, come forward at the end of the service and pray a prayer, and you put your trust in God, and you're good to go. It is a daily feeding, living, breathing faith 
to know God in all your ways and submit to Him, to, to recognize God's authority, God's rule, God's rightness, that His way is perfect and best and the most desirable thing you could have, God's way. And so when I try to put my understanding in charge of my life, I get lost. But when I put God's wisdom in charge of my life, then He says, He'll make your paths straight. Now last week we looked in chapter 2 at this idea of straight paths versus dark paths paths like from the well-lit easy road to navigate the safe road versus these dark alleys that you can go down and so what he says here basically is if you will trust in the lord with all your heart set aside your own understanding as a guide as a driver for your life then god will keep you on the straight path which means god will give your life the perfect direction god will show you the way to go the word includes the idea of smooth path Now, before you get all excited about this, he's not promising you a smooth sailing life. What he's saying is, you will be free. If you will walk in God's way, you won't fall into pitfalls, into trap, into ruin, because the path will be straight. It doesn't mean it'll be easy, but what he's saying is, you won't be devastated by making bad choices, going down dark alleys and doing things that will destroy your life. You won't be deceived. And so, very simply, here's what it says. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. In all your ways, trust in the Lord. So that means, trust in the Lord when you have enough money, which sometimes is a challenge for your trust to be in the Lord instead of your money. Trust in the Lord when you don't have enough money. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord when you are healthy. Trust in the Lord when you're sick. We're in the middle of a very political season right now. It means you need to trust in the Lord even while politics swirl around you. And every voice that you hear talks about all the the bad that's going to happen and the, the danger we're in and the risk that's there. I'm not saying we can't take politics seriously. You should, according to what God's called you to do. But here's what I'm saying. If your trust is in the political process, I already know where you are. You're freaking out. Why? Because your trust doesn't belong there. God never said, pick up your trust because you're an American and put it in America. How foolish. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. So believers, what if we as believers had enough trust that while we walk through these these political storms where where everything around us and every conversation about where our country's headed swirls and swirls into darkness, we said, you know what? God has it. And I might not like what this person says or that person says, and I don't understand how you can vote for that person or that. I might not understand all of it, but ultimately, guess what? My boat is not hitched to God to to who wins the election my whole course of life is about God's got it and I can trust him and I'm not gonna I'm not going to go to bed at night in turmoil about what might happen about what's at stake I'm gonna trust in the Lord trust in the Lord when people are nice trust in the Lord when people are mean right Trust in the Lord when you feel safe. Trust in the Lord when you're scared to death. Trust in the Lord when you've done everything you think you should do and you love the results that are coming back your way. Trust in the Lord when you've made a huge mess and you're facing the fallout of it. 
and it feels like it's unredeemable and it can never get put back together again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord when you feel included, when you feel like you can belong, when you feel loved, when you feel important. Trust in the Lord when you feel rejected, when you feel hated, when you feel invisible. Trust in the Lord. If you will hold on to this truth, it will change your life. It's why, as a church, one of our core values is we walk by faith and not by sight. It's the same verse. It's the same idea. It's the same concept in the New Testament by the hand of Paul. We walk by faith, not by sight. Trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. Now, Solomon goes on from there to talk about other options. There are other places that we can put our trust. There are lots of options for you every single day for what you're going to rely on to experience, to take in through your understanding so that you can be okay. Lots and lots of options, okay? So let's kind of go quickly through these. Verse 7 down to verse 10, it says this. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Okay, so we have options here. I don't have to trust in the Lord. I can trust in something else. And he gives us two examples here of other things we can put our trust in, right? First one is me. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Me. I can trust me. What I think is the right thing to do. So what do you do when God says, don't do this, and you think it's the best thing to do? What do you do there? Do you trust in the Lord or are you wise in your own eyes? Is God right or are you right? Unfortunately, most of us have an inappropriate level of confidence in our own wisdom. We know what we know. We know what we want and we rely on it. No matter how many times it runs us into that brick wall, we rely on it, right? It's a big voice and it's my voice, so it must be right. And so it says... Fear the Lord and shun evil. Literally, turn away from evil. Avoid evil. Remove yourself from it. And it's giving a little bit of an example here about how our wisdom gets us stuck, gets us trapped. When something wrong shows up, what he says here is wisdom is to say, God already talked about this. I'm done with it. I don't need to evaluate it. I don't need to see what I think about it. I don't need to sit here and ponder it. God's wisdom is good enough for me. I trust in the Lord with all my heart. I'm done with it. But that's not what we do, is it? We go, huh. Now, wait, God, I know, I know, I know what you're saying, God. Just be quiet a second. Let me think about it. I want to take a look at this and decide what I think about it. And then you can weigh in. He says, trust the Lord and don't lean on your understanding, meaning I don't need to think about it. God says, do this. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Do I really want to do that? Let me think about it. See, What he's saying here is don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't have a higher opinion of your wisdom than you already know you should have. You already know what your wisdom does. Turn away from evil. There's no reason to evaluate evil or consider it. Steer clear of it. Walk away from it. And if I do, it says it will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. He's not promising you, as as many people would try to take this, that everything in your life is going to be physically well and, and you're always going to be healthy. That's not what he's saying. But what he's saying is it will have an effect on you. In other words, there are some passages in Scripture that talk about don't overeat and don't overdrink and be wise with your money. And and if you will follow the wisdom of God in that, 
it will be good for you, right? But there's, it's also saying that when my soul is well, my body is well too. My, my body is better off with a healthy soul than with not a healthy soul. And when my soul is struggling, my body struggles too, right? Even in simple things like whether or not you actually get rest when you go to sleep or not. Right? Whether your, your day is filled with like, uh, overwhelming pressure or whether you walk free and light, it will do something to your body. You will never be more healthy and more whole than when you are convinced that God is trustworthy and your faith is in Him completely, so you are following Him with all your heart in all your ways. You will never be more healthy than that. You believe that? So do you trust God enough to shun evil, to steer clear of it? To, do you trust Him enough? to walk away from what you shouldn't do. Second part of that is another crutch that people like, which is money. And here's what he says. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth. How do you honor God with your wealth? And he says, by bringing the first fruits of all your crops. And the idea is you take money and you give it to the work of God. How do I honor God with my money? I take my money and I give it to the work of God. All right? Honor here has the idea of giving weight to, referring to value. What do you value? It is interesting to see that what he's saying here in the context of verse 5 and 6 about trusting the Lord versus leaning on your understanding is saying one of the things we choose to trust for our security, for our well-being, is our resource of money. Now, let me ask you what something maybe you already know, but let me just ask you. When will you have all the money that you have right now, when will it all be nothing to you? For sure. When you're done from this earth, right? How many of you are going to leave this earth? All of you. So you already know, before we even start, you already know that whatever you have monetarily is very temporary, right? But how many of us act like it is our eternal security, my financial situation? How many of us struggle to live like what God provides for me is much more valuable than what I can earn at a job? We are so trapped in the bottom line with dollars and cents. And so what he says here is, if I want to be free from that, one of the exercises, one of the ways I can honor God is to give away what I could hold on to because my security is not there. It's like my kids hanging on to that handrail and God says, You need to let go of that so you can jump, right? Now, I'm not saying you take your paycheck and put in the offering. If God asks you to do that, you do that. But what I'm saying is this. If you are so convinced that money is the reason your life is going to be okay, you are lost. And one of the ways you you check yourself, you make sure that you are healthy in your response to money, is you give to something more valuable than your money. You with me? That's what he said. That exercise is a way that we honor God. And first fruits there, if you're talking about an agricultural society, it's the first product you get. You don't have anything else, but the first fruits are the first part of the harvest. And I get that first fruit and I take that and offer that to God. Because, what am I saying? God is faithful and he's going to continue to provide. So I'm going to give the first part to him, not the last part. Not the leftover. I'm going to give the first part. And by doing that, it's not like this legal thing where like, if I don't give the first part, God's not going to bless me. It's this idea. Your faith will never be more strong than when you give without some backup plan. 
right? When you say, my first fruits go to God, that's what he asks us to do in terms of my faith is not in this money or in, in my house or my car or my possessions or my job or my employment status. My faith is not in those things. My faith is in God. And God provides for me financially, and so I want to honor God as faithful. I trust God enough to let go of what I have and rely on what he will give. And then he says, your barns will be filled to overflowing, your vats will brim over with new wine. And so he says, instead of living poor, you will live with plenty. Now, some will take that and take, say that, you know, if you give to God, you're going to be wealthy and all that stuff. And, and I, there's a lot of doctrinal problems with that. But I would say this, just to clarify, was Jesus rich? Were his disciples rich? Did they give everything they had to the cause of Christ? Of course they did. So it can't mean that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a pretty simple check of like, is that what that means? No, it does not. What he's saying is this. If God can trust you with stuff, he's probably going to give you stuff that you'll use for the kingdom of God. The reason a lot of us struggle sometimes is because if I had it, it would be my hope. It would be my trust. My faith would never be stretched. And so he says this, if God were, were, were to see the faithfulness in you of honoring him with what you have, then God is free to give you more. And it might not be money. It might be more opportunity. It might be more uh, influence. It might be more whatever. But God's already given us more, hasn't he? Hasn't he given us eternal life? So God's already given us more. It's not a question of will he. It's recognizing that he already has. So do I trust God enough to honor him with my money? And give to his work faithfully in worship. Last thing, and I, I don't want to take a lot of time on this, but I think this is another pitfall we have. Verses 11 and 12, it says this, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as the father, the son he delights in. This is a hard area. Many people have fallen away from a relationship with God, from trusting God, because of this area right here. They feel like they've tried to do the right thing. They've tried to put their trust in God. And life got hard anyway. They feel like life isn't going how it should go. And so they go, hey, God, what's going on here? Life should be better than this. I tried to give my life to you. I tried to serve you. I tried to do what you asked. And it didn't work. What is that about? And, And what Solomon says here is hardship is God's discipline. It is God doing something in our life that is uncomfortable, that is hard, but it has a purpose. So let's just look at that for a second. Trusting God means embracing God's work even when it hurts. Don't despise the Lord's discipline. It is a a difficult thing, a bitter thing, but he says don't hate it. Don't push it away. Don't grind and grate against it. Don't wish it were gone. What is discipline? The word discipline comes from the word disciple, which means to train. It is a training. Hardship comes in our life, not because God wants to punish us, although punishment or or, or fallout from my bad choices is one of the ways God trains us, right? But it's about even when I'm doing the right things, God still wants me to be trained. He wants me to know Him. He wants my faith to be stronger, to have better traction. And so God gets to work in me. He gets to work forming me. It's the actual word here is the idea for military training or athletic training. The, it's not because you lost that you're out running sprints early in the morning. It's because you know you want to get better. It's because you know you want to win. You want to develop this ability. 
It's not because you lost the war that the military gets up in the morning and begins training. It's because they they know they have a cause, they have a purpose, and they're getting trained because the cause is so big and they need to be on point. So when God comes after us, when God disciplines us, when life gets hard, when life gets heavy, when life is difficult, don't hate it. He says, embrace it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So if God has put something in my life that is difficult, do I believe that God is still good? Do I trust Him? Is my well-being dependent on the fact that God is the one at work? He even gives us the why in verse 12. He says, the Lord disciplines those He loves. In other words, the fact that God is at work in me and that life at times gets real stormy is an evidence that God cares too much about me to let me hold on to stuff that I need to let go of, to let me stay still when I need to move, to let me stay comfortable when I need to be unsettled. God cares too much about me to stop forming me, to discipline me. And so he says, embrace the discipline. Right now, I would say to you, God is in the process of forming you. If you belong to Him, if you're a child of His, you are in process. God is at work on you. Some days, that's going to be hard. Do not despise the Lord's discipline because it is an evidence of His love. The real, real ironic thing is most people, when they, when they turn away from God because life got hard, is because they believe God doesn't love them. But but Proverbs says it's an evidence that he does love them. It's a, it's, an, it's a fact that God cares so much about you that he has to be at work on you and in you. And so I'm going to ask you today, do you trust God enough to be thankful when life is hard? Even through the stormy waters, of, do you trust God enough even for that? If you are in doubt, if you are wondering, can I trust God like that? We're about to to observe something. We're about to take something that's a great reminder for that question in your heart. So I'm going to ask you to leave your stuff where it is and form a circle around the room today, and we will take communion together.